Welcome to the Software Stack Investing Podcast. These podcasts will provide a summary of my more significant blog posts for readers who are time-constrained. You can get all the details with the accompanying graphics at a later time on the SSI website. But as a first note, I will be providing sponsorship opportunities for these podcasts. If your company is interested, please email me at analysis at softwarestackinvesting.com. So for this episode, I'll be covering Snowflake's Q1 fiscal year 2023 earnings report, which was released on May 25th, uh, 2022. And overall, I thought this report delivered a mixed bag following a similarly obfuscated report from uh, Q4. For investors, the challenge is going to be to reconcile the headline metrics with the underlying health of the business. Uh, the platform optimizations and the impact of customer macro concerns on a consumption basis make this challenging in the near term. Uh, and with the explanations from management, these data points can be rationalized, but they really rely on faith and the long-term durability of Snowflake's growth model. So in terms of the results, uh, I think the highlight of the report focused on the rapid improvement in adjusted free cash flow. Uh, for Q1, Snowflake delivered adjusted free cash flow flow margin of 43%, and that was up significantly year over year from the uh, 10% adjusted free cash flow margin a year prior. That represents nearly an 8x improvement in free cash flow and over 4x improvement in margin. Uh, On a gap basis, the improvement in net cash provided by operating activities was about the same as adjusted free cash flow. So with this trajectory, the leadership team updated their long-term model for FY29 that was issued with Investor Day a year ago. They raised the target for adjusted free cash flow from 15% to 25% and for non-GAAP operating margin from 10% to 20%. Investors may recall that analysts had reacted unfavorably to the initial free cash flow target of 15%, which was set last year. So by raising this to 25% just a year later, that was uh, really well received. And given this momentum in comparisons to peers like Datadog and Crowd, uh, I think that even 30% would be a reasonable forward assumption. And going back three years, we can see the rapid improvement in these profitability measures. I think investors sometimes overlook the trajectory uh, by focusing on the most recent snapshots of values. Uh, Operating margin improved as well. Uh, Non-GAAP operating income for Q1 was $1.7 million for an operating margin of about break-even. A year ago, the non-GAAP operating income was negative uh, $36 million for an operating margin of minus 16%. So that represents a significant swing in a year. Even on a GAAP basis, the operating margin improved from negative 90% to negative 45%. And while that's still significantly negative, uh, we can see the, uh, the rapid improvement in the trajectory. I thought one of the most compelling parts of Snowflake's uh, unit economics, of course, is their phenomenal expansion rate. This is measured as dollar-based net revenue retention. Uh, for Q1, that came in at 174%. Uh, as investors probably know, the net revenue retention rate, or NRR, compares the product revenue for a cohort of customers in the prior 12 months to the same cohort during the year before that. So at an NRR of 174%, Customers, on average, increased their spend by 74% on Snowflake in the last 12 months. And this would have a significant influence on revenue growth. And an NRR at these levels is really unprecedented, and we wouldn't expect that to be sustainable over time. Uh, leadership has indicated they expect the rate to decrease from here. 
based on commentary included in Q4's results, leadership expects NRR to stay above 150% for this year. Uh, and this quarter, the CFO added that he expects it will remain well above 130% for a very long time. So that would put Snowflake on par with some other software infrastructure providers like Datadog who have uh, best-in-class NRR. Another positive is Snowflake's $5 billion in cash and equivalents with no debt. Given their existing cash and strong generation going forward, there's little concern that Snowflake will need to raise money by issuing more shares. Uh, this cash does provide an opportunity to pursue acquisitions, uh, particularly given the macro environment. And while valuations of high-growth public companies have been hurt, the same forces are lowering the cost of potential acquisitions of private companies. So this could help Snowflake quickly add new technology capabilities like they did with Streamlit uh, or specialized staff. And some acquisitions may contribute to revenue as well. On the earnings call, the leadership team mentioned that they see acquisitions as a great opportunity in this environment. Uh, Snowflake's demonstrating strong growth in data sharing activity as well. In Q1, the number of stable edges grew by 122% year over year. At this point, 20% of customers have at least one stable edge, up from 15% a year ago and 18% last quarter. And if we take total customers into account for the year-over-year comparison, we have 1,264 customers had at least one stable edge in Q1 uh, versus 680 a year ago. So that represents an 86% increase in customers with a stable edge year-over-year. The increase in customers using data sharing uh, was 18% quarter over quarter. So this growth really underscores the importance of data sharing for customers as paid use of the capabilities required in order to be counted. As investors will probably recall, Stable Edge represents an active data sharing relationship between two customers where utilization credits are actually being consumed regularly to keep the data updated. And facilitating these data sharing relationships represents, I think, a real competitive advantage for Snowflake. They increase customer retention, generate network effects to attract new customers, and drive incremental utilization as shared data sets are filtered, cleansed, and combined with other third-party data. This network of data sharing relationships elevates Snowflake's value proposition for customers onto a higher plane beyond just focusing on tooling for analytics and ML and AI workloads within a single company. To enable data sharing and enrichment, Snowflake also offers the data marketplace, and that provides users like business analysts with access to relevant data sets from third-party data providers. Companies can subscribe to these data sets for a fee and then seamlessly combine them with their Snowflake instance through data sharing. And the benefit of that is it eliminates the overhead of setting up separate integration processes to filter import and combine this data. Additionally, secure data sharing handles updates automatically. That represents a huge cost savings uh, because otherwise companies would have to set up these data pipelines themselves and maintain them. Uh, And at the end of January in Q4, Snowflake had 1,100 data sets from 240 providers. For Q1, the number of listings grew 22% quarter over quarter to 1,350 data sets from 260 providers. And we're even seeing some providers like FactSet purchasing Google Ads in order to promote their data sets on Snowflake. So if the data marketplace is seeing really strong growth, then the Snowflake Powered By program seems to be getting even more participation. And as you'll recall, Powered By represents companies that have decided to build their data-driven product or service on top of Snowflake's platform. For Q1, Snowflake announced there are now 425 Powered By Snowflake partners 
representing 48% growth over the prior quarter's counts, uh, prior quarter's count of 285. That's, that's definitely a large jump. Uh, and as these companies grow their businesses, their consumption of snowflake resources should really increase significantly. At the same time, we have to acknowledge that some of the Powered by partners are startups themselves, uh, and their rapid growth in 2021 likely fueled some of Snowflake's outperformance last year as well. Uh, the shift this year in the macro environment could be contributing to some of Snowflake's recent consumption headwinds, uh, and even it's notable that Powered by partner Lacework recently announced layoffs. So while those were all positive points from the Q1 report, there were a couple of areas for concern. Uh, my initial reaction to re- reported revenue was disappointed, disappointment with the size of the Q1 beat and the limited raise for Q2 in the full year. Um, specifically, the company had set guidance for about 80% growth at the midpoint for product revenue in Q1 and uh, ended up delivering 84%. Uh, so a beat, but the magnitude of the absolute beat on product revenue was about $9 million, and that, that compares to a 7% beat in Q4 uh, or $12 million in absolute numbers. So even though Q4 was soft, uh, the beat for Q1 was uh, even softer. Um, and looking forward to Q2, which ends in July, product revenue uh, guidance uh, projects growth of 71 to 73% annually, and, and that comes out to about 11% sequentially. Uh, these That annual growth rate just met uh, analyst projections um, so if they beat at a similar size level in Q2, it could bring the annual revenue growth up into the upper 70% range, but that would be represent another deceleration from the prior quarter. Uh, and the full-year picture implies further deceleration. Leadership raised the bottom end of the product revenue target range by just $5 million, leaving the annualized growth rate at 65 to 67%. So why did this happen? Well, management attributed... This impact to a handful of consumer internet companies that had grown their usage significantly last year, but now this year those same companies have cut back consumption uh, due to shifting economic circumstances, which are really unique to their businesses. Uh, based on feedback from other sources like Barron's, um, it appears these companies are uh, some players in the cryptocurrency space like Coinbase and then food delivery services like DoorDash and Instacart. So this highlights one of the risks of a consumption-based model, um, you know, and it's with Snowflake, it's exacerbated by the fact that a lot of the spend uh, from or utilization from companies uh, is tied to human-driven uh, ad hoc type query activity. And while those companies have commitments in place for a target spend over a longer period, it, it would be pretty easy to defer or slow down their utilization quickly if they wanted to reduce costs in the near term. And this is likely what is happening as about 30% of activity on Snowflake is performed by data analysts running single investigations or project work versus the other 70% of activity generated by the automated and repeating jobs, like for dashboards. Uh, the CFO shared that this reduction was most pronounced week over week in April, uh, but that the first few weeks of May saw some improvement. So this would explain the softness in Q1. And also, of course, the, the continued conservatism in raising their guidance uh, going forward. Of course, in the same way that this activity was reduced, it could just as easily uh, be added again once these companies feel the macro environment is more stable. So, in some ways, the consumption model cuts both ways. Uh, another area to talk about uh, is in customer activity. 
Snowflake added the fewest number of total customers in Q1 compared to the prior four quarters. Uh, and the, their year-over-year growth rate uh, came in at 40%, which is still pretty healthy. Um, and if you combine that with their high NRR, uh, that's even more positive. But that growth rate has been decreasing. Uh, sequential rate of customer growth dropped significantly in the year-ago period from Q4 FY 2021 to Q1 FY 2022 as well. So we may be seeing some seasonality uh, with this Q1 report, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see where sequential growth lands for Q2 and Q3 uh, of uh, FY 2023 or this calendar years, because that'll really determine the trend line. Uh, if we look at large customer growth, we see similar trends for Q1, uh, but we do see continued strength at uh, the really high spending level. Snowflake had 22 more customers transition into the 1 million plus tier in product revenue. That was up 12% sequentially after a couple of quarters where this had increased sequentially in the 20% range. So we'll want to watch that growth uh, as well um, because large customers contribute the more majority of Snowflake's product revenue and they generate an outsized portion of NRR. Uh, we do see evidence of continued spend growth at very high levels, even above 1 million. In uh, the earnings call, management reported that 10 customers crossed the 5 million plus spending level over the trailing 12 months, and that brings the total to 40. Uh, so that increase of 10 represents 33% sequential growth. Uh, they also reported having 10 customers above the $10 million spending level. Uh, and for new sales, they reported booking four eight-figure, uh, it means $10 million plus deals in Q1, which was up from just two of this size a year ago. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. And really interesting, I think, and, and a notable uh, metric is that five of their top 10 customers product revenue grew faster year over year than the company's overall product revenue, which was came in at 84% growth. So it's clear the influence of large customers really underscores the impact uh, that the pullback and spend by the, the few highlighted uh, customers being impacted by uh, the macro environment, uh, the impact that those, you know, the influence that those companies can have on the revenue growth rate. Uh, and the management, management did imply that those uh, those impacted companies did fall into the large customer bucket. Uh, and just commenting on the fact that the growth rate of uh, those five large customers who uh, are growing above the 84% year-over-year uh, overall product revenue growth is just really a staggering statement uh, relative to elasticity of spend. Uh, I mean, if we can assume that the top 10 customers are also those 10 who are spending above $10 million, uh, I mean, for five of them to increase their consumption at that level at a rate higher than 84% is just really unusual in IT spending categories. I mean, normally companies slow down their rate of spend increase past some large amount, usually like $1 million or $5 million a year. To see companies spending over $10 million a year 
and then increase their spend further at such a high rate implies that the saturation level for spend is much higher and really highlights how large the addressable market is for this category. Uh, new product categories seem to be contributing to growth as well, signaling that Snowflake's alignment around industry verticals is bearing fruit. For Q1, they reported that product revenue from customers in their healthcare and life sciences vertical grew more than 100% year-over-year. They also reported that product revenue from customers in financial services grew just under 100%. And Snowflake has created six other industry verticals in addition to these two. Um, at the product level, I'll be very interested to get further insight into the product roadmap. We've got the upcoming summit event in mid-June that promises that. Snowflake CEO mentioned on the earnings call that uh, the summit conference in June will feature the most significant product announcements in four years. Um, putting the potential product announcements aside, uh, the content of summit is going to span four days and includes over 250 individual sessions presented by a combination of Snowflake employees, outside partners, and customers. And if you really want to gain an appreciation for Snowflake's reach and their penetration, you can look at the, uh, the speaker list, which is, which is posted online for Summit. And while a lot of the speakers are Snowflake employees, the rest are customers and, and partners. And uh, if you look at the list of, of speakers, which is sorted alphabetically by first name, just the A's includes 48 people and represents uh, data leaders from companies like BlackRock, J.P. Morgan, Adobe, Constellation Brands, Luma Health, Goldman Sachs, Disney, Capital One, JetBlue, and the list goes on and on. And that's just the A's. So pretty impressive uh, set of speakers from, from all kinds of uh, companies. Um, and the, the last note I'll make is uh, Q1 was a record hiring quarter. So for the full year, Snowflake plans to add more than 1,500 net new employees. Uh, most notable was the acceleration in sales and marketing hiring over the last two quarters. For Q1, Snowflake onboarded 19% more salespeople over the prior quarter. So this implies the company's not cutting back on growth investments as a result of the fears over the demand environment. Uh, and I like that sales and marketing and R&D are getting the majority of new hires. So kind of to, to wrap this up, uh, the Q1 earnings report was mixed. Um, after sorting through the implications of the platform optimizations that we received in Q4's re report, investors really now have the challenge of interpreting the macro impact on Snowflake's consumption model. And this does represent the second quarter in a row in which Snowflake leadership had to come up with some creative explanations for the tempered revenue growth. You know, and bulls might consider these rational explanations for, uh, for what's happening and that they don't signal any kind of deterioration of the business. Of course, bears will interpret these as signals of an inherent demand slowdown, uh, either that caused by increased competition or just commoditization of the business. So this, this dilemma makes it harder to project an investment path going forward. I think it's easy to dilute concerns over the near-term headwinds with you know, faith in the long-term potential of Snowflake's addressable market, their product positioning and leadership. Uh, I think investors with a pure by-the-numbers approach are probably justified in cutting their losses, uh, as we did recently touch a 52-week low. But I think a more optimistic view assumes that 2022 will be bumpy, but stabilization in the macro environment looking forward will remove these headwinds and allow Snowflake to sustain a high level of revenue growth for many years. Uh, combined with a refreshed view of Snowflake's ability to generate meaningful free cash flow, uh, I think the company could quickly grow past valuation concerns just through compounding. 
Um, and since we're already halfway through 2022, I think a good way to consider the potential for any companies to start looking at uh, forward to estimates for 2023. And for me, I'm, I'm estimating that Snowflake finishes this year, uh, which is FY 2023 or calendar year 2022, with roughly $2.1 billion in total revenue. And that would represent a 70% year-over-year growth rate. Uh, and barring any further deterioration in the macro environment, I'm projecting a 60% revenue growth rate for the 2023 calendar year or next year, which would bring total revenue to $3.36 billion dollars. Uh, I think that NRR can remain well above 130% and total customer growth can meet or beat 30% annually over that period. And so those values uh, for the same metrics mirror Datadog, which has been able to sustain revenue growth at the same levels. And I think like Datadog, Snowflake is also expanding their addressable workloads through product development as well, you know, with things like Snowpark, uh, data applications powered by Streamlit, the data marketplace, data sharing, and even the potential contribution of power by. So I think Snowflake's adjusted free cash flow margin could pass 20% next year, and that would yield at least $700 million in free cash flow. Uh, and that's based on the long-term target for 25%, current year target of 16%, and uh, continued improvement uh, in year over year uh, at the trajectory you've been observing. So uh, $700 million free cash flow total in calendar year 2023 would represent about a 100% increase over the current year projection, uh, which would be which is based on revenue estimate of 2.1 million with a 16% free cash flow margin, which generates about $335 million. So if we consider the current uh, enterprise value, which is about 37 billion based on white charts, that means we get uh, pretty reasonable forward multiples of about 11 for enterprise value over revenue and about 53 for enterprise value over free cash flow. Uh, and I think those are pretty good for a 60% annual grower. Um, so with those numbers, if we look forward to, to next year, I think investors would be willing to pay, let's say, 30 to 50% more for the stock. Um, so that does represent some upside over the next 12 months. Of course, risk to this thesis or that snowflake growth slows down further or that market conditions deteriorate beyond the value compression that we've already experienced. Regarding Snowflake's growth, my view is that the rapid growth deceleration we're experiencing this year will stabilize into the 50 to 60 percent range for several years forward. Uh, There's a few things that I think support this. First, the large market opportunity and data, uh, Snowflake's independent position and their relationship with the hyperscalers, the potential for new product offerings and ongoing customer expansion all give me confidence for this, uh, you know, especially around pr- new product offerings. Those really weren't taken into account when Snowflake uh, generated their long-term uh, product revenue estimates going forward to FY29. And I think that once the market appreciates that growth of 50 to 60% is possible and with free cash flow generation really ramping up, I think we'll see uh, Snowflake's valuation multiple stabilize. And then after that point, revenue and free cash flow growth will then be the primary influencer of the stock price going forward. You know, and at 50 per 60% per year, that should proportionally grow and compound the stock price uh, going forward at about the same rate. So with all this in mind, for my portfolio, I've brought my allocation uh, to snow down to about 18%. Uh, I'm still bullish about the prospects uh, as I've laid them out. 
uh, in the last two quarters of, but acknowledge the last two quarters of performance has introduced some execution risk. Uh, I think that if Snowflake's progress over the remainder of 2022 shows some evidence of improvement going into the next year, uh, I may actually start increasing the allocation again. Um, and it's worth noting Snowflake has a major customer event coming up uh, from June 13th to 16th called Snowflake Summit. And as part of this event, Snowflake's going to be holding an investor day. Uh, so this should provide an update on leadership's longer-term view of the business and their overall product strategy. So information coming out of these events could represent a catalyst for the stock. And if you want more background on Snowflake's business, their product offerings, and their competitive positioning, I've written several deep dives uh, about Snowflake, and you can reference those on the blog. So that's wrapping it up. Um, thanks for your time, and I hope that this uh, verbal summary of the, uh, of the blog post was helpful. And uh, this is Peter signing off. Mm-hmm.